edition here on the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Vic Nazar here with you. Eddie, Victor, running the show today. And of course, the important member of the People Show, the People. Texting in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot to get to today. We'll talk to Randy Janda, Sportsnet 650's Canucks color commentator in the back half of the show. We'll set up some Thursday night football, Giants and 49ers. 49ers already picking up a, a bit of a W today. One of their NFC rivals, big injury uh, on the Dallas Cowboys front. Looks like uh, cornerback Trevon Diggs has picked up an ACL tear. So big blow to a team that's uh, contending with the tops of the NFC. 49ers get their chance to shine this evening, though, against the Giants. We'll set that up. But it is the start of Canucks training camp over in Victoria. What will it look like? Have these guys had big summers? Now you got to translate that summer heat into the cold rink. What does it look like for some of these players who need to have some big summers? Not just because they always need to have big summers, because that that was the the setup from Rick Tockett all of last season. He stepped into the role, and it was already a forgotten season. It's not as if Rick Tockett had to reclaim what the a playoff chase as much as they attempted to. It was all about hey, can we get to a stage when we're building something for next season? And Rick Tockett earmarked. Time and time again, big summers, big summers. So who's translating that into big summers? And more importantly, are you given the opportunity to take your big summer and into preseason? And that's Rick Tockett's duty, right? It's the player's duty to go away, put all the work in, and feel like they're making physical improvements, technical improvements, getting ready for the season. But who provides the opportunity? And that one's on Rick Tockett. And so far through one day, some of it because Ilya Mikheyev stepping away from the team, his injury and everything like that. But some of it is provided by Rick Tockett to throw young players into the mix, higher up in the lineup, that I think a lot of people are are pleased to see. And Rick Tockett did talk about this yesterday as well at the beginning of the season press conference with Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford that he wanted to give guys like Hoaglander put Colson an opportunity and went further on to say in, in talking about young players in general that when they get into those situations in preseason that they can bring some energy to the group and push the pace and this is to me what we saw today Rick Tockett playing a little chess not checkers what do we always talk about sometimes Especially during the season. Hey, young guys have to earn their opportunity. Thrive as fourth liners, thrive as third liners, and you work your way up into the lineup. And look, I very much do believe that. 
come the regular season. This is an environment, though, that you control. There's no points on the line. Nobody's playing for stats right now. You get to control who gets what and how those opportunities are earned. I kind of like the reverse trust that Rick Tockett is playing here. Rather than you earning my trust, let's assume that you have it. And here's this opportunity to go play higher up in the lineup. Now, what are you going to do with it? I've taken the onus off of myself, and I'm putting it on you. And you don't want to talk about meeting pressure with pressure. These are opportunities. Embrace those chances and go try to succeed playing next to an Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, playing next to a JT Miller or Brock Besser. Rick Tockett's put all the pressure off himself and put it on the players and said, go earn these opportunities and don't act like I haven't given you these chances. If you don't thrive, don't come, come come back to me and say, well, I was playing with Nils Oman and somebody else. No, 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 no. You were playing with Elias Pettersson. This is your chance to absolutely thrive. 650-650, keep coming in with your thoughts. We'll get to some of the Elias Pettersson stuff as well. But this was the big takeaway for me is – we, we've seen, you know, like Nils Hoaglander started camp last year with Nils Oman. This is different. So this is your chance to go into this. And, you know, he did mention, you know, putting lines together. It could be day-to-day. That's what Rick Tockett said yesterday. Uh, nothing's obviously set in stone. But now we've got, hey, a, a data point for Rick Tockett and the rest of us to say, well, Nils Hoaglander played with Elias Pedersen and Andre Kuzmenko in camp. Things can change, obviously. But you got your chance to showcase who you are with marquee players. Did you take advantage of that opportunity? That's something now Rick Tockett gets to say to these players. If they come back and say, hey, where's my opportunity to go play higher up in the lineup? We open camp with you in premier spots, 650-650. Did I misspeak? I I thought I said Stephon Diggs, uh, or uh, Travon Diggs, not Stephon Diggs, uh, this text. How many people just checked their fantasy teams when you said Diggs was hurt? I did. I'm almost certain I said Dallas Cowboys, Travon Diggs, not Stephon Diggs, uh, to start the show there. We'll get to that in just a bit, though. Uh, But the other thing, just speaking about guys being themselves and being able to uh, take advantage of opportunities, and I am very pro players being themselves. And, you know, one player I don't know if we've seen the truest version of themselves. Now, he's had a ton of success, obviously, on the ice. But Elias Pettersson. You know, the, the last couple of years, I do feel like we've got a more reserved Elias Pettersson. Remember year one, death stare Elias Pettersson? Bit, a bit combative at times with the media. And I don't mean in a bad way. It was a, it was a healthy compete from Elias Pettersson. Pops on the scene, puts up back-to-back 66-point season, picks up an injury, North Division year, all this sort of stuff. It, it, it's taken some time. But we saw last season he was fantastic. But I feel like we've gotten a public version, a bit more reserved version of Petey. Today, I felt like we saw the defiant Petey again. I want to play this back. I know you've probably already heard the the contract clip or have you seen it on Twitter. But I want to play it back in its whole because I like that there's some defiance in Elias Pettersson. That's, that to me is when he's at his best. He's put up a 100-point season, I know. But I like a player being the authentic version of themselves. And here's Elias Pettersson uh, earlier today in Victoria when asked about his contract status. It's not in destruction. Uh, you guys make it a distraction. Um, got one more year left. Uh, I'm happy now, but I just want to focus on... Uh, 
the season, uh, my teammates, and he's uh, uh, come out with a good start with the team. What do you want to see from the organization? What are the key factors in your decision in terms of eventually wanting to sign an extension? Because we all assume that money's going to be there. I don't. Um, I'm just here to play to win. I got one year left on my contract. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say. So is it just about winning, or is there more about the organization and just kind of how it handles itself and things like that? Is, or is it just? I'm winning? excited for the season. Elias Pedersen uh, after training camp today uh, discussing his contract and look am I reading a lot into that I think I, I don't think those comments have changed where we were in the last two weeks to me it's the same situation go win hockey games and it all takes care of itself but I like that Elias Pedersen's back to being his def- defiant self that's to me is when you want to translate being your authentic self into the ice and into your performances? To me, that's the big thing. If he is himself, boy, watch out for a gangbuster season. 102 points last year. Uh, now a guy who's you know fully into his physical best. Mentioned that he's uh, added some, some weight and some strength. Elias Pettersson being defined PD. To me, good outcome. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks and uh, for Canucks fans. This one, uh, Pedersen uh, said he did not want the distractions of contract talk. Uh, well, this is from earlier for me and Victoria texting into to Canucks talk. So trouble is you want the distraction. It's material for you uh, there. Have I helped you understand it all? Of course we want the, the discussion. Hey, man, we're not the ones that get to go out and play. We're the ones that get to hang around bar stools and, and talk about, hey, what do you think Elias Pedersen's going to do? That's the fun bit. Absolutely. We get to nitpick everything. We get to analyze every one of his goals and assists and how much it translates to more money. Dollars. What if he has a big, big night or a big two-month stretch? Where does he finish in the Selkie? How much does that play into how much money he may get? Before every one-timer, Elias Patterson should do uh, what Kevin Costner does in Tin Cup and say dollar-dollar bills. Dollar-dollar bills, y'all? Yeah, dollar-dollar bills. And then Hughes passes it over, be like, dollar bills, boom. Post it in. Post it in, it's okay, another hundred grand right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, look, a lot of players mentioned the start again today. Uh Pedersen mentioned the start too. Uh great piece from Ian McIntyre talking to Thatcher Demko of hey, it's kind of do or die time right now for these players. And it's true because you can only go so many years of saying, Hey, now they're gonna do it, now they're gonna do it, now they're gonna do it. That's, de- it- that's definitely true, but doesn't it also feel odd that it I hate using the term Last dance, but doesn't it feel odd to be having kind of last dance vibes for a team that hasn't really made the playoffs? It's more like penultimate dance. Yeah. It's like the DJ is getting ready to pack up unless you pay an extra 100. It's like, all right, I'll stick around. Yeah. I'll stick around. We'll do the encore. The the wedding couple can have one more dance, all that sort of stuff. It's that scenario. If you can extend the life of the party... Yeah, great. Do it. But it hasn't been much of a party, let's be real here. They're together, right? They all claim that they enjoy playing together. Thatcher Demko made it like, hey, we love these guys. But they're aware that they have to have success. Absolutely. Huge part of this. And it's going to come right out of the gate uh, starting October 
11th, uh, this one, uh, per EP, uh, media is causing distraction. Don't, just don't look at past interviews, uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, I feel like if Petey wants to see how the season plays out and see if he could have success, potentially win here, that's why he hasn't talked much into it, why he hasn't signed a contract yet uh, when asked, and that he doesn't want fans to have the thought of, oh, we might not sign here if the season goes poorly, that fans will make him not signing a bigger distraction than he wants to be. Guess what? Fans are going to make a big deal about it all season long. That's the reality. People pour their emotional investment and financial investment to going to games into this. They want to know there's long-term stability in Elias Pettersson being here. It's been happening in this market for 50-plus years. Forget this market. It happens in every market. That's how fandom works. You attach your emotions to these players. You want them here long-term. That's how this works. And And fandom wants those players to have success and have them win. And I can't even think of athletes... I don't even think it's it's deeper than two that their quote is going to sway a market on that. Absolutely. It, in the history of sports, people are very aware of when players might leave, when they might go. And yes, it's nice to come out and say, hey, I don't want it to be a distraction. Your own process of how you produce on the ice, it might not distract you. And that would be a fantastic outcome for Elias Pettersson. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be a topic of conversation for everyone else until there is ink on that paper. Yep, no one's going to be relaxed until it's signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm still pretty chill about it. On like a 1 to 10 scale, where are you right now on on panicked? I'd probably say a a 5.5 on the relaxed side, more than the relaxed side. Uh, I mean, until... So you're a 4.5 panicked. Yeah, four and a half on the pen. Concerned, whatever term. Yeah, yeah. Use. I guess that's the way, better way to put it. Yeah, I'm at like a three, three and a half. Yeah. Because, again, part of my belief, too, is they will have some success this year. Absolutely. Maybe it gets resolved earlier on the season. Um, but if, again, I, I, I kind of do believe that this team's primed to go to the playoffs, that happens, a lot takes care of it, it, it as well. Here's something I thought of, and I get it, both players are in very similar situations, but Pedersen did the exact Opposite of what Steven Stamkos did yesterday. Stamkos put gas on his fire yeah. yesterday. Different context. Though. I, I, I get it. And I'm trying to make that point. Like, Pedersen is still relatively young. And yep. Stamkos is, what, past 30? And, you know, is he maybe getting the back end of his career and whatnot? But the difference is Pedersen was going to put zero gas on the fire. Stamkos put gas on the fire yesterday. Yeah, Stamkos is going into year 16. Yeah. He's going to be signing a contract. Well, his next deal will kick in at age 34. Yeah. Uh, Pedersen's kind of in a different reality. Although, hey, it it snuck up. I I think he was asked in the back end of that whole presser. It's like, hey, year six, getting ready for it? And it's like, wow, year six. Yeah. Year six for Elias Pedersen. Yes. It's it's uh quite the departure from that little smirk that he put on against Calgary after the first shot. It's like, yo. I know. He's arrived. He's here. And now it's going into year six. Time flies. I mean it's it's year seven now here at Sportsnet six fifty. So yeah. that lines up. And by the way, I, I got an email last night. It's like, Bit, congratulations on 11 years at Rogers. It's like, 11 years? Oh. Where did the time go? Have you picked your corporate gift yet? <laughs> no. I, I think you only get those on the on the five-year markers. Okay. Yeah, on the five-year markers, uh, not the 11. Canberra couldn't even show up today. No, but he's still texting everybody. Our guy, just like, hey, I was, I was expecting cake and balloons, and the boss is not even here. 
Uh, 650, 650. Uh, PD is just doing what he always does. He's betting on himself. He could lead the league in points, earn a heart, lead this team. Uh, that equals to a bigger paycheck. Pretty simple. He's a confident guy, a relaxed Sneaky Pete in New West texting in 650-650. Again, yes, he's doing that. But I like that there was a little more uh, defiance in Elias Pettersson oh, yeah. uh, when meeting with media today. We've seen that guard before in previous scrums and media situations, and today he was on his game. His A game was on in terms mm-hmm. of his media availability. Uh, I kind of liked how we had a little fun with Jeff Patterson, too, to basically saying. Asked me the same question Elliot did a few weeks ago. Right. You know, that's when he's on his game, when he's being a little, not snarky, but having a little fun back and forth. Uh, 650-650. Matt, not on the island. Again, we always take your reaction. Uh, I hope he doesn't resign and the Canucks do a full rebuild. You're kidding yourself if you think they're making the playoffs. Who is going to fall out from last year? Uh, So the Kraken are, are a big candidate. Nashville. Or a I, candidate. I well. like Winnipeg. Winnipeg is my team to follow. If the Canucks are going to take a spot, it's Winnipeg's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Winnipeg. Uh, not Nashville. I misspoke. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I still want to see L.A. Because I'm not convinced the pure looks. I think they've invited more volatility. They got 104 points last year. I think there's a chance they can get 110. I also think there's a chance that they go to 95. I think coming into the few, past few years, they're always a stable team for me. They traded some depth to go get high end, and you always try to do it. But it, I think I like the best version of PLD. I don't know if we routinely see the best version of PLD. So I'm interested in what happens with LA. Yeah. But, but the two teams, like Minnesota, Seattle, Winnipeg, Absolutely. Minnesota, I think, is also a good candidate to possibly fall out. But now that's a central thing, division. The, the yeah, but third they could slip to a wild card and yeah. be in that mix. That's the teams I'd hitch my wagon to to follow that the Canucks might take is Winnipeg or Minnesota. Uh, but you're not telling me that, that decidedly Winnipeg is so much better than Vancouver. No. Like Nashville. Nashville had uh, nine more points than Vancouver. You're telling me that roster is significantly better than no. Vancouver? Everything went wrong for Vancouver last year. Some of it at their own yes. cause. Some of it external, but I would say most of it at their own cause. But just looking at the talent, Nashville versus Vancouver, it's razor thin. Seattle versus Vancouver, to me, razor thin. Uh, we'll see what a, a full Rick talk at led training camp can do. It can turn it around. We'll get into more of it with Randeep Janda coming up at... Uh, 2.30 here on The People Show. You can be part of it, 650-650. Keep your text coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. I uh, want to look ahead, though, to tonight, Thursday Night Football, Giants on the road to the 49ers. Poor New York Giants. You think getting humiliated on national TV wasn't enough? Open the season against the Cowboys. You think, you're all right, here's a softie. You'll go against the Cowboys and then we'll give you the Cardinals. Well, they stubbed their toe on that one. Finally get that W uh, later on in the game, 31-28. But, okay, do you still get to ease your way into the season? Nope. Just one of the two best teams in the NFC. You've now played both of them, Cowboys and 49ers, early on in the season. No easy start for the New York Giants uh, getting on the road, too. So they host the Cardinals. Then they go to Arizona. Then they go to San Francisco. Tough schedule. Uh, for the New York football giants who are 10 point underdogs tonight with an over under 
of a 42 and a half right now uh, consensus in Vegas. That is big line on, on a, a team uh, tonight. 49ers uh, going to be missing Brandon Ayuk uh, just announced here recently. Looks like uh, per Adam Schefter, uh, the game time decision for Brandon Ayuk is going to be uh, trending towards out as he was questionable. But interesting game here. Big game in the trenches. Ten points feels like a lot to me. It's not a big six pick, but nevertheless, if you're inclined that way from from my own perspective, uh, ten points feels like a ton. But interesting game. The Giants defensively got to get back on track because the 49ers will shred them. Absolutely shred them. You start to impact the line of scrimmage. What does it do to Brock Purdy's internal clock? Is that how you start winning? But the Giants need to start winning. Uh, This team is built through the defensive line. I was talking yesterday, Washington Commanders look like an exciting team because they've dedicated all those resources to the defensive line, and the defensive line is winning. That's why they're having success on the field. New York Giants, very similar. They've spent first-rounders along the defensive line. They've poured big money into the defensive line. they got to start being the reason they win. As much as Saquon and Daniel Jones get a lot of the conversation, Darren Waller on the offensive side of the ball, the strength of this team is in the trenches. Offensively and defensively, uh, the line of scrimmage is is going against the New York Giants. Not an easy team to compete against tonight because the 49ers defensive line eating right now, tearing people up. Their chance to go against the Giants will be very interesting uh, with no Saquon as well. Injuries are taking a hold early this season. We talked about it yesterday with Danny Kelly uh, early on uh, in the People's Show yesterday, our fantasy look ahead as we do every Wednesday with Danny from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. 49ers against this Giants O-line could be a bit of a mess. One line, again, I'm, I'm looking at plus 10. Uh, it feels like a lot short week. Do, do the 49ers just try to ease their way through this? They're just coming off a Rams game. They got another divisional game coming up next week against uh, Arizona. Do they try to ease their way through this early uh, first half lead and massage it the rest of the way against the Giants? Uh, again, Saquon out. No Brandon Ayuk. So kind of the star power getting removed from this game. Under suddenly looking very fantastic as well. 650-650. Let's get to more of your uh, reaction before we get out here on the People Show. Uh, Tyler, Express Mailbag. Always take your questions. Uh, would it be more devastating for the Canucks EP or Demko asking out? Uh, Elias Patterson. I think Elias Patterson. Because goaltending is aligned with when you're ready to compete. How you get to compete is star players up front. And if you miss, if you lose star players, you're in big trouble. You can fill the Demko hole in the short term easier than you could a Pedersen hole. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the pillars of your team need to be built yeah. ahead of. You, you can have the best goal in the world. Yeah. If it's 14 AHLers in front of him, he's going to have a tough time. A tough time. Uh, Colin from the Caribou texting in uh, to Matt's text earlier. Yes to Matt's comment, unless we catch lightning in the bottle and go on a blues-like run, Petey will suggest the team trade him before his deal runs out. This is still the no-plan plan. See, that's the important bit here, and I, I, I think some people wanted it, it clarified today, and Elias Pettersson you know, wasn't taking it with his little bit of defiance. What is the threshold for success to get Elias Pettersson to sign? 
Is it look like a competent franchise? Because it's struggled the last couple of years for feeling that. Is it make the playoffs? Because that's, again, goalies can go on hot streaks. Teams can go on hot streaks. There's as, as much as we take 16 teams, there's not necessarily 16 teams that are bona fide chances to win the Stanley Cup. But if it's just, hey, get to the playoffs, that's doable. If it's win a couple of rounds, okay, like what is the threshold to impress Elias Pettersson? What's the Shania Twain line for Elias Pettersson? First round, that don't impress me much. Third round, well, suddenly, suddenly, hey, you're Brad Pitt in that scenario. Hey, you got a car. (laughs) Well, he he gets one. We've seen those commercials, those Audi commercials. Uh, This one, Brett, I think it's possible to leapfrog Nashville or Mini, but I honestly think Winnipeg will be better than they were last year, just my opinion. Well, we take your opinions here on The People Show, 650-650, always into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. More on the way. On the other side, we'll talk to our guy, Randeep Janda, color commentator here on Sportsnet 650. Canucks training camp is open. His thoughts, your thoughts, keep them coming in the inbox on The People Show. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six fifty, six fifty. Your thoughts in the Dunbar Lumber inbox. Here on the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintex Studio, calling from the Caribou. When he requests a trade, I'll have no grudges against Petey. He's a smart guy. I'll take my hat off to him when he raises the cup elsewhere. Ownership made this uncomfortable bed. Now we all have to sleep in it. Takes are coming in. We invite them. 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Let's get to some more takes and some thoughts with our guy, Randy Janda. Sportsnet 650's Canucks caller commentator at Randy Janda on Twitter. What's going on, pal? What's going on, Vic? It's uh, it's nice to be on the People Show as usual, and uh, the best time of the year, Vic. Yeah, line combinations, defensive pairings. <laughs> we can speculate. We can react to that time of the year. No longer speculation needed. We have we have real results of what they might look like. Yeah, what does it mean? What does a Susie, you know, paired with McWard mean to us? Hundred uh, percent. All right, I, I do want to get into a couple of things like that in, in line combos. But you know, I, I started the show saying, you know, Rick Tockett feels like you know he's he's done all this, you know, meet pressure with pressure, and just seeing the line combinations, I kind of feel like he took the pressure off himself and put it on Vasily Putkolzin, put it on Archie Baines, put it on Nils Hoaglander, Mick Ward, Noah Juleson. Said, I'm pairing you with with prominent players from our team. And guys that are going to have significant roles in our team, you're, it's on you now to meet pressure with pressure. And I've, I've, you don't need to earn my trust. I've given you the opportunity right away. I definitely see that when you're talking about the young players where you're getting an opportunity, right? R.C. Baines is a classic, a great example that you mentioned where he's getting a chance to skate with the Pew Suter and Connor Garland. Like, hey, can you crack this lineup? Well, here you go. This is a ready-made, essentially third line that we expect some offense. We expect you know, some, you know, tough checking there as well. Let's see how you can do. But at the same time, what was one of the things that Tockett mentioned during the press conference that this is going to be about education. We're going to get some veterans playing with some young players. So they know what the standard is. We want the leaders to lead. They're going to bring that energy. They're going to bring that intensity. 
And it's on these younger guys, whether it's Pod Colson with Miller, they've skated together in the past, they've played together in the past, Hoaglander and Pedersen, we've seen that duo in the past. Uh, but, you know, you start looking at those defensive pairings, Susie McWard, uh, I, I look at some others uh, sprinkled in there. To me, it's, yes, you're, you're issuing a challenge to that player, but at the same time, you're saying, hey, this is the standard that you're going to have to meet when this does happen, if it does happen. And I think that's a, a more of a, yes, you can do this. If you do well, we're going to give you a look. But at the same time, this is the standard that we demand here with the Canucks organization this year, and they're setting it out in day one of training camp. So let's go through a handful of these uh, you know, young guys with opportunities here. Uh, Hoaglander, Patkolzin, and, and, and among the others. If you're trying to translate this and say, hey, this is what could carry over into the regular season, how many of these do you feel like are, are true examples that can actually carry over into the regular season? Well, the two guys you mentioned there with Hoaglander and Pod Coles, and those are the first, you know, if you're looking at priority A in terms of how much do you take away from day one at camp, those are the guys that we've all talked about. Who's playing alongside Pedersen and Kuzmenko, especially if a Mikheyev is not a part of the equation to start the season. Now, we don't know that for a fact, but based on, you know, his recovery and all that, we have to take that into consideration. So I look at Hog, uh, Hoaglander and Pod Coles as, as those guys, they've seen them at the NHL level. They've seen them at the AHL level. There's a, a standard. There's a bar that they have to exceed. And that, to me, is realistic. Pod Colson has played with Miller at the NHL level. The biggest thing that was missing from Pod Colson's game at that point was, yes, you know, situational awareness when you're a young player. There's a lot of learning. There's a steep learning curve making the right decision at the right time. But on top of that, that confidence uh, was missing as well. Now, if you're Pod Colson, getting that opportunity. I think that could stick throughout training camp. Uh, there might be some change up and down, of course, but I look at those two guys as really the ones that I'm looking at. Now, some of the defensive pairings, uh, I mentioned Susie and McWard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look at some of the other ones. Um, I think Brizo and Myers could be one that sticks. Susie and McWard to me is more of a, a mentorship type of pairing. I don't know if that one is necessarily going to lead to um, a pairing right off the bat, maybe later in the season. But I look at Griezmann Myers to say, all right, is there a stay-at-home defenseman that you would be okay with playing next to Tyler Myers? You know Myers is going to pinch. You know Myers is going to have his moments where your heart rate as a fan goes up a little bit. Uh, maybe the maybe the decibel in Batch's voice goes up a little bit when he's calling the play. Uh, there's a little bit more of a you know a higher pitch because Tyler Myers has taken a chance. Who can play alongside him on that left-hand side that can – just do his job. And when you think about the options on the left-hand side, especially if Ian Cole and Carson Soucy play on the left-hand side, you're probably going to be thinking somebody a little bit more stay-at-home alongside Myers. And, you know, Griezmann, I could see that pairing stick as well. I think it would be something that if you start looking at it, um, there is going to be interchangeable throughout the season, depending on what they need from that pairing. But that's another one that I look at to say, if we see that on opening night, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and, and it, it's all because of, you know, I, I we saw it last year. I'm not sure everyone predicted it would carry over into this year, but Noah Jolson playing with Quinn Hughes, like that's the one where it's like, oh, okay, when you, when you do that, 
suddenly the machinations of everything else have to look significantly different because it's not an Ian Cole or Carson Susie there. And suddenly everything looks a bit weird. I'm curious if that you know is a trend that continues where it's Hughes and Juleson. And look, I really like Noah Juleson. I wanted to see him get out of uh, Montreal for so long. And, and it's great that he's playing in the Canucks organization. This is a, a good spot if, if he's... you know Because I, I thought he played bigger than I thought people were expecting him because he's got this label of like, oh, just a slick puck moving D-man. You know, he brought some physicality as well last year. For sure he did, right? You had to keep your head on a swivel when Noah Juleson was going through the neutral zone, maybe near that blue line. Um, So this is a great spot for him to be in. But the reason I didn't mention this pairing in the ones that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago was I think they want to probably try a few things here. And you're right. They didn't necessarily go through the, uh, you know, the pairings of, Hughes and Cole or Hughes and Susie, uh, but they're going to probably see that at some point here in training camp. So I think there's going to be a lot of movement on that pairing. Quinn Hughes, as discussed at the press conference the other day by, you know, Rick Tockett, you pair him with everybody and anybody, and that player that he's playing next to is going to is play better because it's Quinn Hughes. Um, that being said, Tockett did also say that this is not something that, you know, is set in stone. Uh, just because it happens one day doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay that way. Go back to last year when Bruce Boudreaux, what was one of the comments that he made? He said, hey, ideally, the lineup that we have in first day of training camp is what I'd like to have on opening night. It's a very different mindset. So, you know, I think Juleson and what he brings in physicality, uh, in the way he can simplify his game and, and be a little bit more passive when it comes to puck handling and make the necessary play, kind of Luke Shen light, is an asset to his game is, especially for this role. But I do feel like, you know, Ian Cole, Carson Soucy are going to have a, a pretty significant role on that offside if they um, over the next couple of weeks here as we get ready for the season. Uh, between what we heard yesterday and then what we see today um, with some of the lines, uh, what else excites you? I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Like the, I, I know it's been a big thing for you, too, of like secondary scoring, depth scoring. Kind of intrigued by Beauvillier with Bluger and also uh, where Connor Garland landed with uh, Suter. Yeah, the one that kind of really stuck out to me was Suter and Garland as a pairing because mm-hmm. we know that Connor Garland can drive play. Yeah, we saw that in, in moments at the end of last year where he was able to, to create some offense. He was a, a player that if you give him a good checking center, uh, which Hugh Suter is going to be probably more so than scoring, but he's got offense in his game. He's got a little bit of both, whereas Teddy Bluger is a little bit more defensive-centric, and that's why he's going to be your fourth liner. Uh, with, with Suter and Garland, I just like that pairing where you've got a guy that's defensively responsible, but then again, with Connor Garland, when you're talking about pop on a third line, when you're talking about you know a guy that maybe doesn't necessarily feature the way that you want to play in the top two lines, he's, he's got that mentality of hangs on to the puck, uh, and you know we've seen... Uh, the pairing and there's been moments where he's had a, a good run with Elias Pettersson, but it just didn't seem like a long-term fit with Suter. It's, Hey, you're going to get limited time. You're going to get predominantly five on five time. And your job is going to be playing alongside this guy to get offense when you can, you're going to drive that line. I think that's a great spot for Connor Garland. I'm curious to see who that other winger will be, right? These are mm-hmm. Suter, not the biggest of guys. Connor Garland, we know is not a big guy. Uh, RC Baines gets that, opportunity today um you know with Baines uh, I really hope you know at the age level he can he can have a good camp and set him up himself up I, I don't know if he's going to be you know he could surprise everybody and make the team 
but I still think it's more of a long-term play with him. But you have some size on that line. Is that a spot potentially for a Dakota Joshua? Yeah. Is, is he a player that would feature really, really strongly on that line? He's shown some offense, but at the same time, you add some physicality. You add, you add a, you know, an aggressive forward checker, a great F1. Uh, that's when I start to think about that third piece. Who is that north-south guy that you play along those guys? Uh, and, and that's really the line, the duo that intrigues me. Yeah, that was what was interesting yesterday, just uh, with, with Rick Taka mentioning, hey, trying to find the pairs for these guys. And, you know, for me, I, I always felt like Garland and Bluger would work well together because, hey, you get your defensive responsibility and it's the offensive side that Garland can carry and kind of boost up. I do wonder if... I also thought, you know, Bovillia would be kind of higher up in the lineup, and we'll see what happens with some of the young guys and Mikheyev comes back and how that changes things. But just initial impressions, I wasn't sure if there was going to be, you know, that, that true look of like, oh, that's where the scoring is going to be with Garland separated from, from Bluger. That's right. And I, one of the things that when you mentioned Bovillia there, um, some of the consistent comments that Rick Tockett made last year when he was given a, a chance in the top six and alongside Pedersen and Kuzmenko was that, hey, are you in a position to simplify your game and really, you know, be a, an element of that north-south guy, right? With Pedersen and Kuzmenko, they have their style of play. Uh, you know, with Kuzmenko coming into shape, uh, he's changed his, his diet and all of that. Like, he's, he's looking good right now. But you want somebody you can get some consistency with. And also, that's going to be a bit of a disruptor. And Bovillier had trouble last year maybe making that side of his game really simple, predictable, in a good way for his linemates in that top six. So as much as I, I think there's room for him to move up, it's a big time for Anthony Bovillier too because he's got to show that he can simplify his game. Uh, he's got offense, but can he be that third piece in the top six which is going to simplify their game and, and you know be that disruptive element that we saw him be uh, with the New York Islanders to a certain degree? So... Maybe there's a third line opportunity for him. Uh, I think there's room to move up in case of injury, whether it's Mikheyev or Hoagland or Maud Coles and not really impressing at camp. So Bavilia is going to be your, your, your de facto uh, player that's going to jump up into that spot because he has that experience. But I think this is a big count for Bavilia based on some of the comments that Tockett made last year. You could tell that he wasn't necessarily in the doghouse, but uh, there's certain nights that there wasn't as much confidence in his game uh, compared to a guy like Gilles Giuseppe or, or a Dakota Joshua to play a very simple uh, but effective game. Uh, Randy, we appreciate it as always. Uh, back on the People Show, man. Cheers, cheers, guys, and thank you and very actually, much for... Uh, uh, before we let you go, because back when you were on the People Show regularly here, you know, the, the, this, the, this was a conflicted... Uh, you were the, the, the Miami Dolphins guy, and I was like, oh, I don't know, you guys are a bit too early on this on the hype. I, I should let you know, like, this is a Miami Dolphins stand show now. We're, we're all in on the Dolphins. Oh, don't worry. I've been paying attention to the powering. You know that as well as anybody. Uh, this is a good time right now. This is, you know, I, I've been keeping my smack talk to a talk to a minimum right now because you know that quiet confidence. Yeah, absolutely. New York Jets I, I, needed your confidence. Exactly. We we got that quiet confidence. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, I saw you yesterday, and and you were running out to go watch the Arsenal match. How'd it go? Oh, that was beautiful. I went to uh, Arsenal Vancouver show to the local supporters club. Went to uh, Granville Street to watch that. Right. And uh, uh, the boys up front, Trossard, Saka, Odegaard, and uh, Gabriel looked pretty good. Beck, uh, how, how's the keeping for United going these days? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we lost. We, 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 we lost. <laughs> it's Bayern Munich, though, but yeah. still. What was even the score in, in, in the Arsenal match? 4 0. 
Four nil, man. Four nil. Must be nice to keep a clean sheet. It was two in a row now. Two in a row. So don't worry. United will get it together at some point. North London Derby this weekend, though. Big one. I am I am hyped. It's the uh, same day, if I'm not mistaken, as the Canucks' first preseason game. So it'll be a busy one for me yes. in the uh, the morning and then at the in the evening as well. Sunday's going to be a fantastic day when uh, things get real for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you'll hear Randy Janda uh, on the call uh, here on Sportsnet 650. Cheers, pal. Thanks, Vic. Take care, guys. It's our guy, Randy Janda, at Randy Janda on your social media. You can always go find him uh, as we get ready for uh, the first preseason game uh, with Batch and Randeep coming up here on Sunday, uh, head coached by Rick Tockett, who, uh, after the day's practices, both Group A, Group B, done, uh, the coach has got to go front and center and meet with media. What did Rick Tockett have to have to say? Uh, here he is. Yeah, I like the effort. You know, I, what I like is that the second group, the first session was, uh, they were a little slow. I didn't, it, they, you know, it was an average, but the second session, when we took they, you know, the leadership, talked about it, then they were really good. So that's, I like that. I thought, uh, but I thought for overall, it was, a, it was well done, hard work, you know, some details we got to go over, but it was good. What would you describe as the emphasis in terms of what you're hoping to accomplish today? I think five on five play. We did uh, diesel coverage uh, video. And there's a lot of five-on-five play. I, I, I want to make sure that I get a lot of that in training camp. I think that's really important. You know, you, you still want the other stuff, but I think that's important that we do that. You had a pretty early neutral zone drill where the center was ending up on the left wing as they skated through. Uh, I mean, I'm watching for line rushes, thinking I'm going to get line combos, and guys were all out of place. Well, on the regroups? Regroups? Yeah, on the regroup drill. Yeah, just some patterns where the where we want the first guy, whoever it is, it was the center, usually it is the centerman, just more predictable. We know that that plays there, and if a team reads that, then we can make a, a, a the second read on that. So I thought uh, actually Jeremy uh, Colton, we uh, he did a presentation on that, and I thought he did a nice job. And I, I think uh, it's something we're going to do a lot this year. Annual sport in Vancouver is reading too much into the line combinations. Oh, jeez, here we go. Um, bye. You seemed to have a lot of younger guys given a shot with perhaps more established pros, both up front yeah. and on defense. Um, is there less that we can read into in normal years? Is development part of the focus of the line combinations you produced today? Well, I, I think it's important that you get chemistry. I want you know certain guys to be with certain guys. Um, try to stay with pairs. You know, Kuzi. You know, I want to keep Kuzi and Petey together. You know, Millsy and I thought uh, with Bess. You know, um, you know, Alms and Dakota last year, and then you, you, you know, you can rotate guys in. I thought uh, Holanger was, I thought he was really good today. Like, just is really feisty out there and, and fast. Um, so, I, I, I think it's just you have to find that sweet spot, right? Um, eventually, we're going to have to make some moves. We might make a couple of switches tomorrow. I don't know, but uh, we'll talk to the uh, other coaches, see what they saw. I'm sorry? Can you tell us about Yeah, personal reasons right now. Uh, I, mean, I won't get into it. He had to take something, take care of something, so we sent him back. I'm not sure. Back to Russia? No, no, back to Vancouver. When do you so, expect him back uh, I haven't talked to him uh, maybe t- uh, tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe the next day. I'm not sure. So it's, 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 it's something that's kind of private right now. Rick, how much do you feel you know of Nils Hoaglander and his game? Because he's one of the guys yeah. that didn't get called up last year when you were here. Yeah, I really I really rely on, I'll be honest, the average coaching staff. Uh, I went to some games last year, um, so I don't know a ton. Uh, I talked to Travis Green uh, about him. He had him. So it's it's more piecing it together. So now, obviously, it's my eyes now. I want I, I got to see what he has. Um, but uh, like I said, I, I kind of like his uh, I like his first day. I mean, how much 
would you expect a guy would want to show after being sent down last year? And he, you know, he yeah. thinks he's an NHLer, but he's got to sort of prove it to you. Yeah, no, I, I think he realized we need some four checkers, some buzzsaws out there, and I think that he can supply us that, you know, consistency. You know, we need, and I talked to you guys the other day. You know, we we got to get some energy in that lineup, and it could be from the youth. You know, um, and he's one of those guys that obviously he can supply that for us. What does it say to he and Buck Coles? I and mean, I know you say don't read a lot into the lines, but just that even on day one, they're getting an opportunity to play with better players. Well, they, they're getting an opportunity like today, and I thought they did a nice job. Like, it wasn't like, I, oh, you know, man, I got to switch them. I, I thought they did well today. So, but here's the key, right? It's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy to have like one good day. It's consistency, right? Uh, you know, you play a great, a great game. Can you? Can you keep it? That's really, I guess, the next level here. Can we be consistent? Can the guys come out tomorrow and pl- practice hard again? You know, it can't be one every three. So that's the, that's really the message in camp. Can, you know, recovery today, and let's see it again tomorrow. And Juleson with Hughes, again, I know it's yeah. only one day, but, you know, it's right at a chill. What do you like there? What do you want to see from him? Yeah, I, I, you know, they had a little bit of success last year. You know, I think Huggy's going to get a couple more, you know, guys, uh, like I said, you know, I have to be convinced to put a lefty on that. I'm not quite sure a lefty-lefty works with Huggy uh, unless something else convinces me. But right now, uh, you know, we got to find the, that guy that can get that puck. That You know, you saw him, you know, in the offensive zone. You know, you give him the puck, he's walking that blue line so good. So whoever plays that has got to give him the puck. It's easier to sling with a righty than a lefty. That's a hard, that's hard to play lefty. So I know... I, I get it. Uh, situational, maybe. You know, three minutes left. I don't mind the lefty-lefty. You're up three to two, but I think in a regular thing, I'm a righty-lefty guy. And sometimes it can't happen. I get it because you're uh, it, the perfect world. But uh, and so we'll see how that sorts out. When you're mapping out this camp, how much of it is building up what you were working on last year or just doing that all over again? Yeah, I, I think it's repetition. Like, uh, you know, those are 30 games. Guys are used to my system. Now it's, it's you know, it's four months off. Now we got to reply it. Uh, we got, you know, and then we open up the playbook. You know, if we can dial some things and get that done, then we can open the playbook a little bit. But right now I just want to, I think it's repetition, you know, how to, you know, how do we do um, on a climb, you know, uh, on a D dive, what are we supposed to do? You know, uh, on resets, where does everybody go? Um, you know, for instance, you know, on a regroup, where do we want our guys to go? I think we have to keep doing those. And then when we start to build that, you know, the good teams like Boston, those guys, they've been together for years. So I'm sure they can open up a playbook here. I, I want to keep it tight and then we'll start opening up a playbook. Opening day comments from Rick Tockett at training camp in Victoria. We'll go to Victoria in a couple of minutes here with Satyar Shaw and Dan Riccio and Josh Elliott Wolf on location for Canucks Central. They'll do it from uh, Victoria. But interesting thoughts. Uh, talked about five on five play, D zone coverage, things that they worked on initially and wanting to keep it tight. And this is the thing, like I've been kind of mentioning this. I know they've talked about it on Canucks talk. It's, you know, the, the, as much as we want, like the goals against to come down, how are you going to do that when you got to go from, if you're trying to take away 45 some odd goals against and drop that number down to like more league average, 250, are you going to do it at the expense of offense? And is that going to come down a little bit? And what is your ethos as a head coach? get ready for some tighter games from Rick Tockett. And, hey, it's how he wants to play. We know that there's a physical element that you're going to want to see from Rick Rick Tockett. Winning battles, 
and just responsible play. It had elements of success, obviously, later on in the year for Vancouver, albeit in garbage time. But that's the style. And so if we saw 270 goals against, or goals for, how many is that going to decrease alongside with the goals against? More 4-2 wins is going to be much more enjoyable than 6-5 losses. I mean, 4-2 might even be a big stretch here. Yeah. I mean, four goals a game. What is that, times 82? That's over 300 goals. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, right? Those types of games, sure. they're actually going to win more of those if they're going to have that success that you talk about as opposed to the 6-5 shootouts that they ultimately uh, I'm looking at a bunch of 3-2s, 3-1s maybe here. It, it, it might be talking hockey. Uh, that's how we're looking at it too. But day one of camp, what are the installs? Keeping it tight. Can't defend. You can't win. Well, what was the term last year? Protect the guts? Protect the guts. And keep the score low uh, for Rick Tockett. And then uh, we'll see how the rest of training camp develops. But again, mention he likes Hoaglander. Really feisty. Brought it. What is that opportunity going to do? Got to run with it. Uh, but he's relying on the Abbey coaches for the initial scouting report. But uh, again, still uh, wants to stick with the pairs. We'll see if guys can claim those spots more permanently. Obviously, Ilya Mikheyev, you missed the news earlier today, uh, stepping away for personal reasons. Uh, didn't provide a timeline, but it sounded like he wants to see it hopefully tomorrow or the day after, but no timeline officially uh, for Ilya Mikheyev and had to take care of something back in Vancouver away from Victoria. That is where Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw are hanging out, getting ready to talk to you for the next couple hours. Keep getting involved. In the show, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. They are on the way live from Victoria. It's Thursday afternoon. We're out on the People's Show.